Hey everyone, this is Jay Johnson from One with the Undercard. Do you want to support your favorite heels and a great small business at the same time? Look no further than holdfastcoffeeco.com, where you can use the promo code HEELTURN20 to get 20% off your entire basket. They're great people, it's great coffee, and their coffee is responsibly sourced. Turn to Hold Fast Coffee Company for all of your coffee needs. And now for this week's episode. You are listening to the Heel Turn Collective Radio Network. The love, the genuine feeling, the damn revolution that is all elite wrestling. This is one with the undercard, all elite edition. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of One with the Undercard, episode number twenty-five. For those counting at home, and we are fresh off the full gear pay-per-view and. And this show of Dynamite that we're about to cover is the fallout from that. But I am not alone because I am joined once again by my broadcast colleague, Silky Jay Johnson. Jay, what is going on, man? Oh, Lance, it is so good to be back. A day late, but certainly not a dollar short. Uh, Glad to be here with everyone again to bring you the best. And yes, of course, as always, the worst of all elite wrestling that took place on Wednesday, November 11th. Veterans Day or Armistice Day, depending on how old you are. Mm. Uh, well, thanks for that little trip down memory lane there, Jay. But uh, I, I got to say, you know, off the heels of full gear, you know, we 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 had a little bonus episode for those who don't know. Go back and listen to the archives. We talked about full gear and and obviously you get that little bump off of pay-per-view. And I thought the pay-per-view was really good. You thought the pay-per-view was, you know, maybe average to above average. But uh we, we both really feel like AEW's kind of hitting their stride, though, when it comes to pay-per-views. Uh, I thought Full Gear that they presented last Saturday uh, was the best AEW pay-per-view they've produced um, ever. I think that's their best pay-per-view. That's their pinnacle. From top to bottom, the card, I mean, you can't really go wrong um, with with the way everything kind of turned out. Did some matches disappoint? Absolutely. And, and there's – but the – at the end of the day, though, I feel like I feel like they did their job when it comes to you know p- being able to provide that entertainment and making people feel like it was worth their fifty dollars. So Jay, about a week removed from it, do you think it was worth fifty dollars? The full gear pay per view. I think so. Um, mm-hmm. It's worth it for me to buy it every time. I think, but yeah. Yeah, no, it's, hey, look, it's what we do for, you know, it's what we do, and then we come and talk about it here and just talk a bunch of bullshit, and uh, you guys come along for the ride, and we really appreciate you for that. Uh, Before we get into this week, like we always do, uh, check out the sponsor for the show, the Whole Fast Coffee Company. Go to wholefastcoffeeco.com and use that promo code HEELTURN20 to get 20% off your basket today. And Jay, right off of that, my friend, right off of that little ad read, we're going to get right into your favorite part of the week, my man. It's ratings time for this week. And surprisingly enough, Ooh. Jay, and I'm going to – Yes. Su- surprisingly enough, though, Jay, let me tell you. Um, AEW scored – I mean, they won uh, with 764,000 viewers, uh, .30 in the 18-49 to 49 demo. But, Jay, that number a little low coming off a of pay-per-view, isn't it? That's their average. I've talked about this in the past. I don't think AEW is interested in new followers, uh, new fans. They're not building new fans for the brand. They they have their 781,000. It's consistent. I'd like to see that number uh, continue to point farther north, but, you know, I don't know. I mean, but will. you don't think that there should be any kind of, like, pay-per-view bump? Like, more people are tuned in because they wanted to see the fallout from the full-gear pay-per-view? You, no, you don't think that that number should be a little... building their brand. Man, we are just... Uh, we're so positive on this show. They're, uh, they're show. too busy doing 50-50 booking to get mm. new people excited about the product. Look, they're, they're... One... Mm. look... Okay, well, to me, okay. So the one thing you can always find on this show is that yes, we are big fans of all elite wrestling, but we can be critical when we need to be. And right now, I feel like Jay's kind of having that little intervention with himself, and that's okay. 
Uh, I have it a lot too. Whenever I'm going back and watching all these old WCW shows, and I gotta tell you, anything beats that bullshit in 1997. Let me tell you. But uh, I mean, look, 764,000 respectable. You, you mentioned it. It's about their average. You know, that 18 to 49 demo, obviously they keep pushing that is the number they're really going after. NXT comes in 632,000.16 in the 18 to 49 demo. Pat McAfee's all over NXT, and it just doesn't seem like it's moving the needle much. Um, But he seems to be the best heel in wrestling from what I've seen. So besides MJF, I mean, whenever I hear people say he's the best heel in wrestling, obviously you're only watching one show because... I mean, you got Maxwell Jacob Friedman on this show, and, I mean, he's unbelievable. But, I mean, there again, there again, Jay. I know you don't care about the ratings. We all know, okay? You, you've you've pandered on here for 25 weeks about how you don't give a shit about the ratings, and I get that. I don't but, give a shit about the ratings because AEW clearly doesn't give a shit about the ratings. If they're not caring about it, why should I? I mean, that, hey, look, I, I don't think that there's going to be a lot of people disagreeing with you on that. I, I think a lot of people are going to probably feel the same way. Hey, if I see that AEW doesn't give a shit, why should I? You know, uh, But it's our job, Jay, as big All Elite Wrestling fans to like kind of perk it up, you know, just kind of prop it up, be that old Paul Heyman type of guy, hide the negatives, accentuate the positives. You know what I'm saying, my friend? I see you. Okay. I see well, you. There are some negatives I'm going to expose in this match. Well, I'm, I'm, well, I hope in the show, but, uh, but let's just get right into it. We are going to break down the, uh, veterans day edition of all elite dynamite, uh, this week on, uh, took place on November 11th as my, uh, my esteemed colleague has, uh, so gracefully put, uh, and right off the bat team Taz out on the entrance way, uh, they start cutting a promo on the new TNT champion. For those who haven't been following along, Darby Allen defeated Cody Rhodes at full gear to win the TNT title. Uh, Taz comes out, and he starts uh, just calling out Darby Allen, who's sitting up in the stands, very Sting-like, uh, very uh, you know mysterious. Um, he starts talking about how you know the guys in Team Taz are no joke, and that tonight Brian Cage, who's standing in the ring, will, will have a match to open the show, and it is against our boy, Long-time listener of the show, Matt Seidel. Never said a bad word about this guy in all elite wrestling yet. I mean, well, look, that's not he, he true. Re- you remember his entrance into AEW where he literally tripped and fell into all elite wrestling. Leave it to you to ruin a great joke because I was leading into he really made a splash when he debuted. I'm just here to steal your thunder. That's why I exist on this show to steal your thunder. Unbelievable. I uh I got to tell you, I work my ass off every week to produce a flawless show. And I got only a guy like you to, coming in. Here. Only for me to uh come in and uh steal your thunder, uh pull your punch. Uh I'm just I'm here to do the Lord's work. Oh, man. for crying and that's out loud, man. cut you down a peg or so. Jay, I got to tell you, buddy. Um, I've been doing this show with you for 25 weeks now, and you have the charisma of a carrot, my friend. Uh, I need you to bring it. I need you to bring it every time when you're in the ring with your boy here. Okay. With that being said, it's the man with the best facial hair in the business, Brian Cage, defending the FTW title. We don't know. He's out there with the rock light, as Jay so eloquently <laughs> puts it every week, Ricky Starks. And he does take on Matt Sidell. And look, this match actually. I mean, it's nothing special, but Brian Cage shows that he can go toe-to-toe with these smaller guys, really athleticism all over the place here. Uh, Brian Cage goes for a Hurricane Rana, which I thought was kind of weird because um, he outweighs Matt Saito by about 50 pounds. 100 pounds. They, they 100 pounds. 110 pounds. So they introduced Brian Cage uh, at 278 pounds. Uh, they talk about Matt Seidel weighing in at 166 pounds, which I don't believe it, that. Come on, 166 pounds. Yeah. So according I, to Build Weight, he's giving up 110, 112 yo, pounds. Yo, yo. I think I got pairs of pants that weigh 166 pounds. Okay. Come on, man. The, to 166 pounds. Jim Cornette somewhere, his temples are exploding. 
that they actually announced that on TV. They call, they Are, they build him at 166 pounds. Well, look, uh, this is. Are you talking about? Like, you're talking about he's going for that Hurricane Rana spot, and he gets power bombed by Matt Seidel. Yes, that is that the was exact the spot that made the least amount of sense to me. Like, why mm. is why is this role reversal a thing? Yeah, I don't. I look. Why am I um, buying this? Yeah, why am I buying the fact that Brian Cage about hit a Hurricane Rana on Matt Seidel, who apparently he's giving up 112 pounds to, you know? Uh, but Taz is on commentary, obviously, you know, blowing his guys up, things like that. I don't um, love Taz on commentary when one of his guys are wrestling. Yeah, it, he it's, gets it's too. Kind of... He gets too, like, he loses confidence in his guys too quickly. Like, there yeah. was a spot where um, Brian Cage actually almost... Because, like, we obviously know Brian Cage is supposed to win this match. There's a spot where he almost doesn't kick out. Uh, there's a, He gets, like, a Hurricane Rana roll-up scenario by Matt Seidel. And, like, Cage kicks out at, like, 2 and, like, 99 one-hundredths. Yeah, like, that, was a, that was a pretty close near fall. Sure. Yeah, like, I think Matt was like, oh, he's not able to get out. Let me relieve the pressure here. Yeah. Exactly. So, um, but the ending sequence, though, that you mentioned, I mean, that's one of the ending sequences, you know, that really close near fall. And then Matt Seidel hits a jumping knee, but then he goes up top and he jumps off. But Brian Cage catches him in a vertical suplex. The power of this guy, the power. And then he hits the drill claw to pick up the win after about eight minutes. And I got to say, that drill call looked a lot safer than other times that I've seen him do it. So hopefully yeah. they've told him, please do not drop people on their heads, Brian Cage. We would appreciate that. Um, I uh, Look, I think this match was a nice way to start the show. Was my was it my favorite match? No. But I think it was a nice, you know, kind of back and forth. And I think this is more of a kind of a highlight for Brian Cage, just to show he's got that cruiserweight prowess while being a bigger dude, wouldn't you say? Yeah, and I, I like... I don't love Brian Cage's facial hair. Uh, he's starting to prove to me that he can go in the ring. Um, I've, I've liked him a lot more the last few weeks that I've seen him on television. Uh, there was one really pointless spot that I'd love to talk about, and it's when uh, Cage rolls out of the ring, Matt Seidel comes out on the top rope, hits a meteora onto the ramp. Yeah, uh, I do. Yeah, that looked That's like what? it hurt Matt Seidel way more than it hurt Brian Cage. Why his knees what? are going straight onto that carpeted plywood? Like, like what possesses you? Like, what goes through your mind when you're like, "Yo, I'm gonna drive both of my knees as hard as I can into this piece of wood." Like, dude, at fifty, you're gonna be in a in a walker, man. Or I guess you're not in a walker. You have a walker, you know. But, yeah. Uh, Look, I, I think the match, I mean, overall, though, like, I, I think that, uh, look, I, I think it was serviceable. Obviously, both of these guys, are, or Brian Cage, at least, and Team Taz are making the push for the TNT title because after the match, uh, Ricky Starks comes in and he says, now they're officially ranked and that the revolution is going to be televised. I got to tell you, Jay, I've been watching Taz a long time, bro. I've been watching him a long time, and I don't give a shit about this group at all. I do not care very much about Brian Cage, Ricky Starks, and Taz. Nothing has pulled me in about them. I like them individually. I mean, Ricky Starks is all right, and Taz is a fantastic talker, and Brian Cage can go in the ring. But, like, as a group, I just, I, I guess I just don't get it. I don't get it. It's you know probably I mean? like, because Taz isn't putting his team over on commentary. Yeah, like, it's like you're not making them feel important. No, and, like, and it's like when you when you get like right before like right before the finish, uh, Taz is like low key freaking out, and he he says, "Ricky, get in there and interfere, do something." Like he doesn't believe that Brian Cage has the ability to beat Matt Seidel. Like he's confident coming over to the commentary booth, but then he sees that Brian Cage almost gets beat, and he's like, "Oh, maybe Brian Cage can't do this. He yeah. needs some help." Well. The question is, I mean, at Full Gear, they both had the TNT title. They were fighting over it. Maybe they were teasing a little dissension. We thought it was a little early. Uh, it's going to be interesting, though, to see who 
they kind of put up there to challenge Darby Allen, you know, because obviously Darby Allen is the guy they're going with. And, you know, I mentioned it on the Full Gear show. I said, like, I don't think either Ricky Starks or um, Brian Cage are going to take the title off of Darby Allen because I could see this being a very lengthy run. But you know what? I do give them kudos because they're making the belt feel like a big deal. They're making Mm -hmm. that particular belt, which, you know, Back in the day, the Intercontinental title and the U.S. title and WCW, those always felt like kind of big deals, like those secondary titles. Everybody wanted them. I do applaud AEW for making the TNT title feel kind of important. I mean, maybe not on the level of the world title, but it's right up there, of course. So mm-hmm. um, Next, we do, get, we do hear from Cody Rhodes, who is going by Cody Rhodes again. Uh, he comes out and talks about losing the TNT title at full gear to Darby Allen and says, you know what? I'm not going to ask for a rematch. Darby Allen beat me fair and square. Uh, I won't ask for a rematch just yet. You know, I might come back to it later. He does mention there is a loss on his record that he would like to, uh, you know, kind of expunge, and that would be MJF. A very interesting tease for that match. Uh, Cody and MJF, I thought they were very good the last time they wrestled. So I think that it would be a, a good matchup down the line. I think MJF and, and Cody have different paths right now. Uh, but then we have a, a young lady come out. We've never seen her before. She reveals herself to be Jade Cargill. Now, now Jay, before this moment that I just said that name or before you watch this segment, do you have any idea who Jade Cargill is? I completely forgot her name until you mentioned it. I'm, I'm glad that, uh, glad that you reminded me of her name yeah well look uh she she had a tryout in the wwe in 2019 uh by the looks of her she looks fantastic i mean great body uh she looks like that she could and i mean muscular like i i don't i'm not I was gonna say Lance, chill you're a married man no no i'm not some pervert i'm just saying like she looks <laughs> fantastic like on tv and stuff and uh you know we we are openly she looks, critical. how do they say tough enough Yes. Um, I don't think she I, can go like, by the, like I look at her in a medium, like, and immediately say to myself, like, I don't know. She looks like uh, the red velvet, the Ty Conti, the like, can you go with Hikaru Shida? Can you give Shida a challenge? I don't know. Yeah. That's a, that's a great point. Um, it, it's going to be interesting though. I mean, she, she debuts for the company here and she's already in a promo with a top level guy like Cody. I mean, so obviously they got big plans for her, you know, going forward, what those are, we don't know, but she kind of alludes to it a little bit. She talks about Cody going out there and talking about being a giant killer and keeps, you know, kind of hounding on that goes up the aisle way and says the giant she's referring to is Shaquille O'Neal. Now, Jay, before your head explodes, my man, before, because sports-based presentation was what we were promised here, and, and they're about to deliver, my man, in spades, because our boy, you know, the official shoe of the Heel Turn Collective Radio Network, Shaq Force <laughs> One, uh, making their debut on Revolution, fingers oh, crossed. No. Shaquille O'Neal, my man. Jay, are you in or out on a Cody versus Shaq match? I... <laughs> I don't know where I'm at on this oh. before I, before I reveal where I'm at, cause I haven't made up my mind yet. Um, before I'm in or out on this, let me tell you that I wish she actually wouldn't have revealed who it would have been. Um, and maybe now that I think more about it, like I kind of wish that they would build it up. Like, cause this is where, in both scenarios that I'm about to present, AEW brings in new fans. Uh, in one scenario, she leaves us in, in mystery of who is this giant that they're bringing in. Uh, and maybe we're all let down to find out that it's Shaq. But uh, in the other scenario, we learn that it's Shaq. And new followers of the product are like, oh, I know who Shaquille O'Neal is. That's a household name. I'd like to tune in. Uh, that's, uh, but that's like, that's a, that's cheap. That's, that's a cheap way of bringing in new fans. That's not like, that's when they have on, they had Mike Tyson on a few months ago. It's a cheap, it's like a cheap pop to get new fans, but Tyson's not showing up every week, you know? Well, to me, uh, that's where the, the, the fantastical side of pro wrestling gets like kind of 
uh, like kind of crazy. Like if you look in history, I mean, wrestling has, has been full of guys that are huge. You know, obviously, it's the land of the giants. They called the WWE for a long time. Uh, but, like, you expect me to believe that Cody could actually beat Shaquille O'Neal in a fight. I mean, Shaquille O'Neal probably got a 10-foot wingspan, man. You know, like, he, all he had to do was put his hand out. Like, Cody would never hit him. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, it's stuff like that. Like, I like the scenario you brought up where you're using Shaq as kind of that star power to get people to watch your product. I like that's a that's a good move, you know. That's a good business move. Do I need to see it in the ring? Not necessarily. So it's going to be. We're just going to see. Have to see what happens, Jay. Uh, and then when we eventually cover that match, I'm sure that you will just uh, run yourself over with your car on air. So um, I'd be surprised. I uh, will yeah. see. Uh, yeah. Dennis Rodman was a member of the NWO. Uh, come on, man. The Worm. Oh, I know. I know. Um, <laughs> Uh, but but as uh, Jade is kind of going to leave, Brandy Rhodes, uh, our favorite lady your favorite. on this show. Your favorite. Look, uh, I don't I have never any get issue enough. with Brandy. Uh, she comes out, uh, calls her a trifling ass. Uh, she got a pop said, out of me. Yes. Uh, uh, she also said, and I quote, bitch, get your ass out of here, unquote. Um, a, a lot of uh, profanities thrown in this. You know what? I like fired up Brandy. I like this segment a little bit. I, I had a little fire to it. You know what? Uh, I'm all in on Brandy calling people trifling ass bitches. You know, I'm all in on it. I you know? I was high on this segment where Brandy comes out and gets fired up. I enjoy fired up Brandy. I don't enjoy. Uh, I I think that maybe they're going to the well a little too much with the uh with the coarse language i'm not here to be a prude um but i think that like maybe you could try a little harder boop, boop. we got does jay the, uh, does that make jay, sense well jay the language police over here uh, no no like i don't want to be a i don't want to be a prude because uh, we certainly don't uh curb the language on this program this isn't a family show i suppose uh but at the same time Maybe you could try to be a little bit more creative. Do you think they how went, much they went to the ass bitch, Jay? On on occasion. Okay, I just wanted to make sure. Yeah. Continue. But like, I think they, I think maybe they went to the well a little too many times with this segment. Hey, you know what? I can't. Uh, you know, I, I see your side of it. You know, sometimes it's it's just a little easy because you know you're going to get that cheap pop by using the coarse language and stuff, but. Uh, Look, if this is if this is the direction the women's division's going, then I'm okay with it. You know what I mean? Like it's it's a little aggressive, and you know because they need to kind of figure out so we don't need to see a Karoshita Nyla Rose for the 19th time. Uh, they need to start building up these stars. So hopefully Jade Cargill and Brandy are in those. Well, maybe more Jade than Brandy, but still. Uh, they need to build the women's uh, division. Uh, mm-hmm. As Cody's in the ring, though, Brian Cage hits the ring, and him and uh, Ricky Starks put the boots to him, and out comes Darby Allen down from the stands, has a thumbtack jacket on. Of course, because of course he does. Why not? You know, it's a thumbtack jacket. Uh, he comes out, he hits Cage with it. Will Hobbs comes out way late. Way too late. Uh, Will everybody Hobbs, else- I mean, you missed your cue. Like, he came out like he may have missed his cue. Oh, my God. Poor Willie Hobbs, man. He'd been waiting all night to be on this episode of Dynamite. And our boy TK, Tony Khan, longtime listener of the show, man, he gave him the wrong cue, man. Not cool. Not cool. Will Hobbs gets out there. There ain't nobody out there. He's just standing there all by himself. Poor Willie Hobbs, man. But, I mean, look, obviously they're setting up for a tag team match. Um I don't think it's going to be a six-man tag. What are you going to do, put Taz in a match? Come on. The guy hasn't wrestled 25 years. But um, I'm just saying, like, Will Hobbs here is a nice touch, but he was incredibly late. I don't know how I feel about Brian Cage and Ricky Starks against Darby Allin and Cody Rhodes. Cody Rhodes is so confusing right now because when he came back from being Mr. Hollywood, now he's like he was a heel. But then right after the match, he worked as a heel in the match, and then – I don't, I don't get it. What do I know, mm-hmm. though? Uh, next, we get our favorite promo, John Moxley's backstage with Alex Marvez. Something wrong with the microphone in this promo, bro. 
Uh, there is something weird going on. It's like really echoey. Uh, he just talks about Kenny Omega. Obviously, that's the big match. Announced that's going to take place December 2nd, Jay. Um, I'm sure we're going to have a lot to talk about leading up to that. I do feel like both of us think a title switch is coming on that day. Am I out of bounds by saying that? I don't think you're – I. it's happening. Yeah, I think so, we too. Need to get, um, we just need to get over it. Yeah, I just think that uh, – and, and who knows? You could be building to Kenny Omega and Adam Page for the AEW world title at Revolution, and I would be all for it because I think – I think adding the title to that feud would be something kind of nice. Um, next, we get the uh, the dreaded bunkhouse match, if you will. Dreaded, and, for, uh, dreaded for who? I mean, look, uh, we talked about the bunkhouse match a little bit on the Full Gear show, but here it is in all of its glory. It's the Butcher and the Blade versus the Natural Nightmares, which is, of course, the forgettable QT Marshall and uh, Dustin Rhodes. And I got to say, man, a lot of color in this match. Uh so who who gets busted open? QT bleeds and the blade bleeds, and it's pretty uh blade it's pretty gets gruesome. A lot of color. Oh yeah. The butcher he, gets I, a decent amount as well. Yeah. Um Right? Am know, I do, am abs- I remembering that correctly? Oh, absolutely he does. You know, so it's look, Dustin I mean Marshall, the only one who's not cut open by the end of this match. Yeah, absolutely. Uh there is a point uh kind of towards the beginning of the match, he's handcuffed. Dustin Rhodes is handcuffed and he gets pushed off the apron and the handcuffs break. He, like, he, so good. they, they, uh, bunny puts him in handcuffs poorly. It takes her like a full hour to get him <laughs> in the hour. handcuffs. And like, <laughs> by the time this match is over, she's finally got him, got him handcuffed to the <laughs> ring. They go to commercial break. And when they come back, he's no longer in handcuffs. Interesting. Explain, Interesting how that works. Explain this to me, Lance. Break uh, this down well, for me. Well, Excalibur did explain it. He got the handcuff broke when Dustin got knocked off the apron, like I just covered. Poor Excalibur. Excalibur asks because uh, Excalibur clearly doesn't know uh, where the bunkhouse match comes from, so he's asking <laughs> Jim Ross. And by the time he gets the question out, like Jr.'s like, "Not now, son. Not now. I'll explain <laughs> it to you later." And doesn't come back till explaining it to him. <laughs> Dude, Jim Ross has fully checked out. We're in agreement with that, right? He has fully checked out on this product. JR, he has no interest. JR is just willing to call a spade a spade. I feel like Jim Ross is having a Moscow mule while doing commentary. I'm convinced the dude is a little buzzed, man. He's, at the, he, he's at the bar with Adam Page before and after the show. Yeah. Um, but they hit each other with uh, the cowbells, you know, all the brawling on the outside, things like that. And then your boy QT. Really the only one to come out to this in in proper bunkhouse attire. And I don't yeah, think the, anyone should be shocked by that. Yeah. Um, uh, your boy QT Marshall, though, I got to say. You know, takes a lot of takes a lot of cojones, man. Gets up on the ladder, drops the elbow. I thought that should have been the end, but for I some thought that reason, should have been the finish too. Come AEW, on, you... AEW is criminal about making the highest spot in the match uh, just a false finish. I mean, come on, man. Like that needs to be the finisher, right? And and just when you thought QT Marshall couldn't get anymore just copy and paste a creator wrestler on WWF No Mercy. His finisher is the goddamn diamond cutter. Are you kidding me with this guy? I wanted to kick him off. I wanted to kick him off the show two months ago when the selling he was doing was abysmal. And now he has the audacity, the audacity to use the most... I mean, the most used finisher in the wrestling, the diamond cutter. Well, he got it from DDP a few months back, if you recall. Well, I I don't care who the hell he got it from. Use a different move. Um, Because Randy Orton uses it, and he's one of the greatest ever. And QT Marshall, you're as far... Look, I don't have a problem with QT. Probably a great guy. You know what? He can go in the ring a little bit, but in a situation like this, I don't need to see the diamond cutter. But that's what picks up the win. It's the damn diamond cutter. And QT getting the pen over Blade is is what we came here to see. 
Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's still, it could have been, uh, we could have very easily seen the elbow drop off the ladder as our finish. And it, yeah. it ought to have been our finish. I mean, before we get to the ending, though, I mean, like the bunny gets pushed off the ape and through a table. I mean, that's a big spot, you know, for a for a lady to take a sp- you know spot through a table. So, look, these guys, it. yeah, yeah, these guys fought hard. Uh, they got a lot of color, and this felt like an old school match. But, but damn it, QT Marshall, man, you need to do something to separate yourself because if it was if you put QT Marshall and Sean Spears in a room, or you can you tell them apart? Because I can't, Q- you know what I mean. Marshall like is very much so a C plus wrestler, yeah, and that's being generous, my friend. Um, but yeah, no, so after no pack. yeah, so uh, they do the natural nightmares do pick up a win after he hits the diamond cutter. I mean, there's not much else to say. It was down and dirty. This felt like an ECW just regular match. We talked about it. Uh, was it at Full Gear where you where you called that? Uh, yeah, you called the I Quit match yeah, I quit an ECW match. match. This was actually what I wanted the no or the I quit match to look like something a little more like this. Yeah. Like the the wildest they got at the, uh, at the uh, uh, I quit match was the thumbtack spot, which at this point is yawn for AEW because they're doing it like once a month uh, with uh, where he pours alcohol. For Christ's sakes. He pours the rubbing alcohol into the wounds. That was fun. But like the, they brought in the bull strap with the cowbell, they brought in the chain. Like there was a little bit more variation into some of the things they were bringing into this match uh, that they weren't bringing into the I Quit match. Yeah, I I, I get it. So uh, next we have the induction ceremony of MJF and Wardlow. For those who don't know, at Full Gear, for Christ's sake, just go watch the show. But MJF did beat Chris Jericho and you know, rolls them up and, and beats them. Jericho comes out and the crowd just, it, they love singing that damn song. And that I don't song, know if they love singing that song or if AEW is actually uh, bringing in some, if they're really piping that in from previous shows. I don't know. It's uh, kind of interesting. Uh, he does introduce the inner circle, obviously, to welcome MJF and Wardlow. But Sammy Guevara conspicuous by his absence, not out of ringside with Santana Ortiz and my boy Jake Hager, uh, who was 3-0 in Bellator, but the way AEW talks, he's the most decorated champion of all time. Um, but, uh, yeah, so they're out here without Sammy Guevara, uh, and then they introduce MJF and Wardlow. MJF comes out, he starts talking, and he starts crying a little bit at the beginning. That's a nice touch, nice heel move there. That's pretty impressive. Um, yeah, hey, look, uh, MJF has got a long career ahead of him. Maybe, you know, if it's not in wrestling, it's in whatever else he wants to. Yeah. Um, he said he's been in this industry for five long years, and after his father gave him a small loan at uh, of $1 million, wink, wink, that might sound oddly familiar, um, he says that, that he feels a lot of pressure, but now he's he's just the diamond you see today. You know, there, there's some interaction. You know, he, MJF reads a poem. There's some interaction between Ortiz and MJF talking about if he doesn't know Drake, he doesn't need to deserve to be in the inner circle. MJF talks about, uh, he quotes a, you know, Drake lyric. It's kind of cute. Um, and then uh, MJF, towards the end, though, he said that Chris Jericho, they're here to celebrate his birthday, his 50th birthday. Uh, confetti falls from the sky and he has tickets to Las Vegas for every member of the inner circle. So it looks like next week, Jay, we got the inner circle invading Vegas and AEW will have the camera crew there. Are you excited? No. <clears throat> Astute they announcement. Me, they have, well, they, here's the, here's my frustration on it. Like all of the cinematic pieces that we've seen recently have been lackluster. The yeah. like the cinematic match that we've had the last two pay-per-views have been like so boring. So like not entertaining that why should I care about a segment where uh, the uh, inner circle finds themselves in Las Vegas? I don't think it's going to be a cinematic match, you idiot. It's not, it's not going to be a match, but it's going to be a cinematic piece. 
okay, I'll give you that. Like, they're not going to have them following around live or whatever. And yeah. it's going to be interesting to see what Vegas looks like during COVID. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, come on now. But, uh, but look, I, I think this segment was good. Obviously, there's tension building between Wardlow and Hager. That's what they're going with that. You know, Wardlow's going to be excommunicated from the group. I, I'm not alone in saying that, right? I've been saying that for months now. This is going to be – this is Batista and Evolution. I mean – this is what this is. He's going to turn on MJF and be the biggest baby face in the company. I'm we'll calling see. it here. You've heard it here. You know, you heard it here first, as always. Um, next, they they show highlights of the Young Bucks winning the AEW tag team titles uh, when they beat FTR at full gear. Uh, they talk about how great it was, but, uh, you know, they, it seems like they've been getting kind of rubbed the wrong way when it comes – uh, to the greats of all time. Uh, then they're interviewed backstage by your favorite backstage and uh, interviewer. Who is that, Jay? Uh, Alex Marvez is there. The great Alex Marvez, you know, uh, who, hey, look, he has about as much uh, to do with a wrestling show as I do. So uh, big, big props to Alex Marvez. Uh, the Young Bucks kind of apologized to him for super kicking him. Look, I was never a big fan of them uh, going and super kicking these announcers because I didn't think it really – you know, it didn't it didn't matter in the long scheme of things because they ended up being baby faces anyway. And then they said that they well, they called out a young tag team called. Uh, let me get the old reading glasses here. Top flight. Uh, do you think top flight will be victorious next week, Jay? I do not. <laughs> I uh... mean, really going out on a limb. I mean, look, the Vegas odds right now. It's got to say top flight, a big favorite next week. Uh, Vegas, are you going to have, uh, MJF put money on it for you? I think I might, you know, I might, uh, you know, look, I called Joey Janela out on Twitter a couple of weeks ago. I said, I'll pay you 20 bucks if you beat, uh, Kenny Omega. He didn't even wrestle. So, um, I, look, it, it doesn't matter. A lot of pizza rolls with that. You're right. You're right. But, uh, look, obviously it's the young bucks in top flight. What a terrible name, by the way. Um, Look, I think that what's going to happen, I can tell you exactly what's going to happen. They're going to give that team a good rub, and, you know, they're just going to lose. But they're going to give them a good rub. and It's, you know, everybody uh, it's the Young Bucks thinking that they can get somebody over without them winning. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's like the Young Bucks and Private Party all over again. But so here's here's what I – and here's what I appreciate about it. Um, the young bucks are bringing new talent onto the show, uh, ex- you know, like in the same way that Cody did with the TNT title, where uh, he gets uh, he gets Warhorse onto the show when he brings Ricky Starks in and he brings Eddie Kingston in. Um, two of the three of those have brought value to Dynamite. Um, do I think Top Flight has the potential to bring value? To Dynamite, no. They're just going to be another high-fly tag team that gets lost in the shuffle of Young Bucks-style teams because the Young Bucks are the executive vice presidents of the company. They're not going to bring in another FTR. They bring in a team like FTR because FTR is the best in the world. They're not going to elevate the division. They're going to continue to ignore the rules. They're going to continue to bury referees they're going to continue to make their tag team division unimportant. Yeah. Um, well, look, I, uh, I think that our feelings on the young bucks are well known. So we're not going to, we're going to not going to beat the old proverbial dead horse here. You want to talk about the funniest thing I've seen on dynamite or I saw on dynamite this entire episode though, is this next match. It's Sean Spears with Tully Blanchard versus Scorpio sky. You know what I think is so funny about this match, Jay, before I tell you. Go ahead. Sean, they said Sean Spears is 15 and 2 in 2020. How many of those matches were on dynamite? Oh, like one or six, one or Come three. on. And his two losses were his two matches on dynamite. Yeah. I'm sorry. 15 and 2 is not impressive when you're beating the likes of Griff Garrison on Dark. I'm sorry. It just, look, I'm not even going to spend a whole bunch of time on this match. Scorpio Scott, my boy's getting played hard, and I don't like it. All right, 
look, he loses to Sean Spears here. It's a little, you know, it's a little wonky at the end. Tully Blanchard looks like he's going to split off from uh, Sean Spears because he throws Scorpio Sky in a, a, a weapon too. He, he leaves it in the corner for Sean Spears. He throws it to Scorpio Sky. Obviously, Scorpio Sky, the white meat baby face, throws it out throws it out into the crowd. Sean Spears hits him and he pins him. Look, there's not a much, not a lot to talk about in this match. Again, Sean Spears, it doesn't get much more creator wrestler than Sean Spears, man. Like his movement, it's just stereotypical uh, pro wrestler and Scorpio Sky here just getting the shaft, man. I think this guy should be in the TNT title hunt. I think this guy should be, you know, in the hunts for titles and he's here doing the job, the JOB if you will. To Sean Spears. Jay, what'd you think of this match? I thought that this will give us a second. I think there'll be a rematch. This match, obviously, this they're not done. Uh, and Very you're exciting. harder on Sean Spears than I am. I have a lot of I have a lot of uh grace, uh perhaps is the right word for Sean Spears, uh, because Sean is a a longtime veteran. He is uh He's a good guy, that Sean Spears. He doesn't get uh, he doesn't get the credit he deserves. I'll say. Yeah, you know what? Agree to disagree. Look, you're hard on people on this show, so I think that I'm entitled to be hard on people because I'm generally the nice guy. So I will be kind of harsh on Sean Spears and QT Marshall. Big love to both of them, though. I think they do fine work. It's just very QT, very long time fan of the show. I get it. Uh, yes. But Sean Spears, I think, deserves more credit than he gets. But uh, I think we're. I think all signs are pointing to a, a continued feud between these two, and I kind of like it. Okay. Yeah. I yeah. Get it. Now here's um, the question: When they have their match on pay per view, uh, after only having one match on Dynamite because that's fifty fifty booking, uh, is Tully is Tully barred from ringside because no reason? <laughs> because insert reason here. <laughs> Um, next we get the challenger, the next challenger for the AEW world title. We found out it will take place December 2nd. Kenny Omega is in the parking lot with Alex Marvez. But after where is Dasha he supposed was, to be first? He was supposed to be with Dasha, but he's nowhere to be found. Um, so he's out in the parking lot why with we, Marvez. Why do we have that segment where he's just like, yeah, he's backstage with Dasha and Dasha's like, no, he's not. And yeah. so they send it over to Alex Marvez. Like why, what, what's the point in that? Well, look, what's the point in AEW making Alex Marvez look like Mean Gene Okerlund? Like, has anyone been clamoring for Alex Marvez to get more TV time? No. Has anyone in the upper brass of this company saying, Alex Marvez, you look like the type of person we want on our product. You are the next Mean Gene Okerlund. Give me a friggin' break with this guy. Come on, man. You can't. I can't take this dude seriously as an actual wrestling no. fan. Anyway, um, Omega talks looks about like his my match. Father-in-law. All right. Well, look. Uh, looks aside, uh, Omega talks about his history in Japan: five, six, seven-star matches, and he hasn't been able to have a one-on-one, just regular wrestling match with John Moxley. But he's going to get it December second, and they will find out. You know why they call him the cleaner? He didn't say that. But I figured I in my head before I called him the sweeper again for the third straight week, uh, I would just say it while it was in my head. He is he says good luck and good night or whatever the hell the catchphrase is. It uh, looks like the cleaner gimmicks coming back again. There's a title change of brewing, and if you don't think there is, I got a timeshare to sell you. So um, look, I think this is a strong promo from Omega. They just got done announcing that new video game. Very excited about that. But uh, Kenny Omega here. I feel like he impressed me on the on the stick a little bit. What says you, Jay? It's better than his average, but is like we all know Kenny Omega is going to win the AEW title. Mm-hmm. Uh, we all know that Kenny Omega lacks charisma. We all know that like AEW has no interest in building their brand. Otherwise, they'd inform listeners who haven't been clued into New Japan Pro Wrestling what the cleaner is why the cleaner is an important character, uh, why he's an important figure to watch out for. Um, it, it, we like, they haven't given me a reason to care, uh, why 
Kenny Omega is about to kick it into fifth gear because like the only reason they've given me is because he's broken Meltzer's star rating before. And like who hasn't? Yeah, exactly. So it'll be interesting to see how Omega kind of pull, what kind of match he can pull out of Moxley. I think Mox is a good worker, but like, is he going to put on a five-star match ever? I just don't think that's in John Moxley's repertoire. I did, I did you know? appreciate though, that he says, you know, we've wrestled before, but a re- a, a match where there are, that's just a regular wrestling match, like where there's, there's no stipulation. Uh, we're zero and zero. And I liked that. I appreciated that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Cause so. it's a, it's a call back to the, the match they did early on where they did the lights out match. Yeah. That's what I was alluding to when I brought this friggin' thing up. Hey, don't give me grief, all right? I don't come here for Un- your criticism. I come here to give AEW criticism, all right? So yeah, yeah, do yourself a favor it. and take about six steps back. Okay, I feel it. Uh, next, we have Tay Conte taking on Red Velvet. I'm calling her Conte because I feel like it. Uh, Red Velvet is straight out of your mama's kitchen. Sports-based presentation is what we were promised on this show. Uh, but she's straight out of your mama's kitchen. It is Red Velvet. It is Tay Conti. And I got to say, um, not a lot going on with this match. I thought it was fine. Uh, they they kind of went back and forth. Velvet hits a big leg lariat, uh, gets a two count. I feel like that probably should have been the end. Uh, but in the end, she hits the the gory special into a, into a knee and picks up the win. So, I mean, like, that was actually Tay Conti. That wasn't even Red Velvet. But, uh, but I mean, this is just an indictment this is this match is the ultimate indictment on on where AEW's women division is because you have somebody that is straight out of your mama's kitchen wrestling in a match so jay i mean is it is the women's division ever going to get any better i hope so uh there's talk there's still continued talk of thunder rosa coming to AEW well she um, thunder rosa is actually taking on are you ready for this? Did you know Thunder Rosa and Serena Deeb and WA women's title next week? Love to see it. Yeah. That, so that's very, a I'm good gonna... match. You yeah. want to have a women's match on AEW? Make it this one. I struggled to not fast forward this match between Ty Conti and mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Red Velvet. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, there's not much else to say on that. You know, Tay Conti, obviously, uh, look, I don't think she's going to be the women's champion anytime soon, but it's kind of nice to see a couple of new women in here. And they're trying to do something with this women's division, which is an absolute mess right now. Um, then we get, we get the inner circle backstage interviewed by, you guessed it, Alex Marvez. You know what? From this, from now on, he has Alex Gene Okerlund. That's that's what his new name is. But uh, he is backstage with the inner circle. Uh, we find out where Sammy Guevara was. We find out where he was. MJF told him to go to the beach. And then uh, MJF claims there was a second email telling him to be at Dynamite. Sammy said there wasn't any second email. Jericho tries to just cool things over and says they're all going to Vegas, so it's all good. Uh, more just building to next week, Jay. I don't know what we're going to get, but it's kind of interesting to um, – to see kind of where it's going to go. So, um, and then they talk about next week's episode of dynamite. It's Kip Sabian and orange Cassidy. Really Kip Sabian and orange Cassidy. Yeah. Um, the young bucks versus top flight who obviously were high on in the show. We think they are in line for a title shot, probably with a name like top flight. Um, Cody Rhodes and Darby Allen taking on Brian cage and Ricky Starks. Uh, and then the inner circle, slays Las Vegas. Um, as I read that last sentence, Jay, you know, the sports p- based presentation just pops in my head again. Um, so there's that. Uh, but then we get Eddie Kingston, a breath of fresh air. You actually said something kind of funny to me a little bit earlier. You said Eddie Kingston is the worst promo in wrestling. And I vehemently disagree. Did I say that? You did not say that, but I just wanted to blame you for something. But uh, Eddie Kingston's out here. He talks about his match uh, with Moxley at full gear. He said he did make him quit. That's right. That- that, I had to remember what I said. I said that Eddie Kingston sounds a lot like Tracy Morgan. That's what uh, it is. That's what it is. I knew it was something along those lines, and I could not remember it. That's exactly he, what it like is. He reminds me very much of uh, 
Tracy Morgan's character on the show 30 Rock sometimes. Not just the way that he, with the way that he, uh, um, makes the claims that he makes, uh, sometimes reminds me of the character Tracy Jordan from 30 Rock. I feel it. Um, Eddie Kingston says that, that John Moxie did make him say, I quit, but unlike other people, he will never stop and he will be world champion. He said that, uh, you know, it's time for his guys to get it on, and it's time for the main event. And it's Penta L Zero Meadow. The only time I'll say that tonight uh, against his brother Ray Phoenix. You can just before, keep calling him Penta. It's okay. That's what I'm going to keep calling him. But uh, I will tell you right off the bat before we even get into this match Eddie Kingston on commentary makes this match. He is, yeah. he is hilarious. Well, he tells hilarious. a really good story he tells a really good story throughout too uh, because we've been, he's subtly been talking about how Penta is his best friend. Mm-hmm. Um, and they keep bringing up the fact that the Lucha bros have not been in a good place with each other since they've been hanging out with Eddie Kingston. And we mm. see that in this match because both brothers tear at each other's masks. And I saw way too much of both of their faces Mm -hmm. uh, throughout this match. And I hated it so much. It was unnecessary. It's... (sighs) Yeah, well, look. uh, Penta does start tearing the mask of Ray Phoenix. Excalibur informs us, for those who don't know, that would be a disqualification in Mexico, in which Eddie Kingston replies... We're not in Mexico, and these are brothers trying to bring out the best in each other. That's hilarious in itself because he's literally trying to rip this dude's mask off. That's yeah. not like trying to bring the best out of somebody. Like no. you're trying to embarrass them. Like that's and the hilarious. first match they had was so good. Why yeah. can't we have that again? Like we didn't. I, well, we were cheated. Look, I don't think this match was bad. I thought this it match wasn't was very bad, but it wasn't as good as the first one. When I mean, your I'll expectation give you that. is when your expectation is set to a certain level, and instead you just get two assholes tearing each other's masks off. Like that's not the standard we were promised. This isn't the well, sports-based entertainment we were promised. Well, look, uh, another another just bright spot of this commentary is Eddie Kingston's back and forth with Tony Schiavone. I mean, good. come on, man, Tony Schiavone keeps prodding him for it and say that you broke up one of the best tag teams in the world and kingston's like old oh man will you drop it like these these two are fine you know uh as ray phoenix returns the favor and starts trying to pull off penta's mask um and then eddie kingston complaining of why ray phoenix is doing this to his best friend and that and that Ed, or phoenix should be disqualified for that which is <laughs> hilarious because Five minutes ago, he just said that this isn't Mexico and their brother, you know. So you're right. The story Eddie Kingston is telling here is fantastic. All right. Um, Look, they get all the usual spots in. Uh, Penta was going insane in this match. All right. He hits the package power driver on the apron. Jesus Christ, does that look like it sucks? I'll never, uh, you know. Then he hits the Canadian destroyer running off the apron. Look, this is what they're talking about when they say you're blowing your load too much. Like, dude, you you literally you, the only thing Penta didn't do in this match is pull out a machine gun from underneath the fucking ring and just start laying into him. Yeah. Like that's the only thing. Like, dude, he hit him with everything. He hit him with everything. And it's just like and then at the end he does hit another package power driver. Um Hey, after, after- thoughts of the match. This is a this is a pro con scenario. Pros, biggest spot of the match led to the pen. The con, there was just too much overkill. Yeah, yeah. Um, look, that package power driver is a cool looking move. I, I've been a big fan of it ever since I saw Kevin Owens do it back in the Indies. You know, but I think that's one of the coolest moves. Taking it on the on the goddamn apron. When are these guys going to learn? Stop doing it on the apron, man. You're going to get somebody killed doing that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, honestly, like, I don't need to see all this. I think this match would have been fine. I think this match would have been fine without, like, destroying each other like that. I get it. You have that brotherly rivalry. You're trying to, like, one-up the guy, you but know. like, the like last that. match they had was brotherly rivalry. This was like, hey, I'm going to actually fucking kill you. 
Yeah, this is like a blood feud almost. And Penta does pick up the win, so he gets the win back after Ray Phoenix beat him in the tournament, which Penta took his place anyway. But like, I wasn't here, prepared for Penta to have curly hair. I didn't know what yeah. he was actually going to look like in real life. Was not expecting that. It was bizarre. It was bizarre. I didn't, I, it was so. It was so frustrating. Oh, yeah. Uh, at the end, though, Eddie Kingston does start cutting a promo, uh, says these people should be saying, you know, that was awesome or, or fight forever, you know. He gets in the ring. He nonchalantly kicks He nonchalantly kicks uh, Ray Phoenix. Phoenix out of the ring, and then he says that Penta, you don't need that guy, that dead weight. And just as he says that, who comes out, Jay? We have the return. Of the bastard pack. Oh my god, dude. I'll tell you what. This guy looks more shredded than ever. Like, I mean, this guy looks like, you know, I'm a big fan of 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 pack here. I'm a big fan. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because look, this guy looks like a million bucks. Do I think he do you think Pac will win the AEW world title one day? At some point. Yeah, I do think so too. And uh, I think he believed. takes it off of either Kenny Omega or he takes it off of I think he takes it off of Kenny Omega either in his first or second reign. Yeah, I mean I could see that. Um but but Pat comes out here, he comes he talks to Kingston about uh, you know, just he thought he'd be away forever, you know, but he's back here. Obviously they're building to the Eddie Kingston Pack matchup uh because uh, he had the death triangle with the Lucha Brothers before he left Pack. That is, uh, and then Eddie Kingston just kind of absorbed him into his quote unquote family. Uh, it's announced that Pack will be taking on the Blade next week on Dynamite. Jay, are you ready to say right now with one hundred percent certainty that the Blade wins that match? Absolutely not. And here's why I'm frustrated about it: Blade wasn't there for the pull apart. Blade wasn't there for like any of this segment. So like, this is just 50, this is more 50, 50 booking on AEW's part. They like, if you want that, I think in a a better scenario, blade is out at ringside. It's just Tony Khan jumping the gun. And he does this a lot. He's just, he just jumps the gun. Yeah. Um, like make give blade a reason to be a part of this other than he hangs out with eddie kingston yeah uh that's the reasoning we get though uh i don't think the blade like, makes yeah, it they've hung out a few times so like they they they'll he'll fight uh he'll fight blade yeah yeah um but look i mean that's how the episode of dynamite ends it's a pull apart between eddie kingston and pack obviously they're I think they did do that correctly, though, because you don't see Pac getting his hands on Eddie Kingston at all and vice versa. So when we see that next uh, in the next few weeks or whenever that is, or if that's at Revolution, if that's uh, in a a few weeks on Dynamite, like then it's really then it's really exciting when it happens. Yeah, for sure. So uh, but that was the uh, Veterans Day edition of Dynamite. I mean, look, I, I think there were some ups and downs like there is every week. Uh, but but you know what? I'm I'm pretty excited about the direction of the company. Tony Khan's been talking about the balance of power shifting and wrestling. Stop using words like that, my man. Um, but uh, look, I think we're both excited about the the forward trajectory of our uh, our faithful company here. So um, look, we got the Kenny Omega John Moxley match coming up December second. That's going to be a huge talking point here on this show and, and throughout the wrestling world. So uh, we'll just see how they build up to that. It'll probably be uh, one of those branded shows which would be kind of cool so we'll see kind of what they have on the cards for that uh if you want to keep the conversation going do it over at collective heel on twitter let us know what your favorite parts of dynamite were you know your least favorite parts are you excited about pack coming back you know, I that's am. A, yeah i mean that's that, that's what i'm saying like so uh let us know you know what i mean are you or is everybody excited about it you know we are here on this show because we're big pack fans so just let us know at collective heel your thoughts uh make sure you check out the whole fast coffee company uh they're great people over there we name the barista of the week every week jay who is it uh this week the barista of the week is the bastard pack it is the bastard pack he is the barista of the week so make sure you go enjoy a nice 
hot, hot cup of joe over at the Whole Fast Coffee Company. Or if you're not in the Colorado Springs area, wholefastcoffeeco.com and use that promo code HEELTURN20 for 20% off of your basket. And, and Jay, it's time to get the hell out of here, man. Do you have any final parting thoughts? Uh, yeah, be good to one another. Don't give your mom COVID over Thanksgiving. Make smart decisions. Uh, and uh, we love you, and we'll see you next week. Fantastic. I am Lance. He is Silky J. Johnson. And until next week, we'll be back once again with another rousing rendition of One with the Undercard. See you then.